Today, I am joined on the podcast by the one and only Rob Walling, my husband and a partner in crime. If you know us or you have followed this podcast for a number of years, you know that Rob used to co-host with me. I'm roping him into coming back periodically, hopefully as much as once a month. And if you have followed us and his journey in particular, you know that he is killing it. He is working on a number of super interesting projects, most notably Tiny Seed, the accelerator for bootstrappers. He also runs MicroConf, host startups for the rest of us, and is working on up to three other podcasts. So one of the great gifts that he has brought into my life is a lot of inspiration around consistency and shipping content. So today, that's what we're talking about. He's going to share his ideas and wisdom for how to set up your life, set up your mindset so that you are able to consistently create and make things that matter to you and matter for your business. So thanks for joining us for this conversation. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs. And I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. So keep being distracted by how great your camera setup looks. And this is like a $160 Logitech Brio with pure natural light. What's irritating me though, is I have the same camera. I have the same camera <laughs> and I have the same mic. And <laughs> but you don't use video. So why does it matter? It, it just, it matters in my soul. <laughs> and maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I will use video. Why, why are you limiting oh, me? You never know what I'll do in 2022. Why would I pigeonhole you like that? Yeah. You know, we were, we were not using video, never did video for startups for the rest of us. And then I brought assistant producer Aaron on and we were doing audiograms, which is where they, you know what they are, but they take the audio and they put a little waveform with words and such. And Aaron said, can you start recording video? And I was like, I really, really do not want to start recording video because then I have to like shower before interviews and I have to look at the camera and all that stuff. And, and then he chops it up into like a 60 or 90 second social post. Those get at least twice the views or twice the plays that the audio version, audio only does. And it makes sense. I like them. I watch them. I'm like, this is actually quite good compared to the audiograms. There's something about the higher fidelity. Interesting. And obviously the like deeper connection to video, like audience members are much, much more compelling and interesting to see your face or see you talking than the audio only. It is. It's so much more work. Like I think back to like just blogging where it's like, I'm going to sit in front of this thing, listen to some music. I'm going to type, I'm going to hit publish. Great. Hey, look, it's on Hacker News and Dig back in the day and Reddit. And then when it was podcasting, it was like, oh my gosh, I need a quiet space. It's real time. I need a good microphone. I need to edit the crap out of this because I'm awful on the mic and all that stuff. And it was nerve wracking and then you get better at it. But then video is the next level because it is, like you say, lighting and camera and background. And you can't, you can't just wander. I mean, you can look really, you know, you can't wonder. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So one of my goals this year is to do a video each week. And my videos are very short. They're mostly for Instagram. They're like three minutes. 
but it's surprisingly difficult. So I know people have been doing video for a long time and I'm not the first person to have these pain points, but I also know that you have a pretty audacious content calendar planned for this year. So I'd love to have you talk about what you have planned and what your sort of tips and tricks for content execution are. Tips and tricks. Tips right and tricks. <laughs> but first, I have the question for you. As you said, it's been difficult. They're three-minute videos, but they've been difficult. What do you mean by that? Well, I would say that it's difficult to get comfortable talking to a camera. And so the first few, right, you do like a bunch of false starts. You do a bunch of like, oh, I, you know, you mess up your words, you stumble, you have to start over. And so I think the one take nature of video is what feels so different than podcasting for me. And obviously people have teams and video can be edited. But for me at this point, the goal is just to ship one short video each week. And I'm not going to at this point kind of invest in the whole editing process. So it is the one take challenge. And I don't need it to be perfect, but I do need it to be competent and not embarrassing. That's the bar of my standard at this point. And it is difficult to hold your thoughts in your head while also reminding yourself to look directly at the camera, to think about how your body and your tone, all the different elements of video that are not as important in podcasting or in other mediums. So that's what's been challenging. I'm, I'm learning. Yeah, it is hard. You're right. And doing it in one take is especially hard. I'm, I still struggle with that so much. Folks should check out Instagram.com slash Sherry Walling because the videos are good. Like I've, I've watched what you've done, two, maybe three. I've watched them. Three. Yeah. You come across really good on camera. You are more of a natural on the mic, on the stage, on the camera than I am. Like it took me years to get comfortable on stage. Now I feel great when I'm up there, but it seemed like it took you about six months and it feels like it took me like four years, you know, honestly. Similar with with the mic and the video. I will say that I was a college professor for years. I mean, it's not the same as being on stage, but it is definitely like practicing being engaging and calm under pressure. If you're going to teach statistics at 8 a.m. to college undergraduates, like you better have your wits about you. So anyway, I am curious though about what have been the ways that you have worked to get more comfortable on video? Yes, it has been 100% deliberate because the first videos that I recorded, it was producer Xander a few years ago said, you guys should record a video about MicroConf's new location or about something to do with MicroConf and welcome people. And I was like, I, what do I even, how do I do that? And I would like hold up my iPhone and it was, it was awful. Like I didn't have a good camera. The things that I did, well, there was one thing and it was just practice and doing it a lot. And in fact, when COVID hit, we started doing a daily live stream. We did that for like a month. So I had 20 live streams where I was 30 minutes a day that forced me to get good at it or at least to become competent at it and to stop feeling the fear. So doing it a lot was one thing. The second thing is certainly podcasting helps and starting to do solo podcasts. When Mike left Startups for the Rest of Us, I started doing some solo ones now and again. And a solo podcast is a lot like talking to a camera. The camera's harder still, but it, it helps. The other thing I did is at a certain point, I mean, I was already, I had already gotten pretty good on camera, but I then hired a speaking coach who we did six sessions, six one-hour sessions together. And she helped me with some breathing exercises and help talk through some things. We would watch, like we watched the State of Independent SAS live stream and she critiqued it and said, here's 
things I think you could do differently. And then we would do exercises to try to get better. And then it was refining though. These are small rocks at this point. And another big thing I learned is for me, it's, it's figuring out which mode works for you. Like some people can do stuff off the top of their head. I, I know like Steli FD and Rand Fishkin, they, they've done a lot of video and they just are able to just have it in their head and go. I need personally, for me, the, I, the optimal is a short bulleted list of topics. And I've learned that if I have nothing, then I either wander or I get lost in the middle. And if I have too much, because sometimes I'll t- almost type out verbatim and all this, and then I'm reading and that doesn't work either. So I've like found my personal middle ground where it works for me. And I'm like, I'm going to touch these three topics and I'm going to tell some stories. So it's this combination of practice and just having to do it a lot and then seeking a coach to help you refine and then figuring out what works for you, figuring out kind of your strategy and what supports you need, how much detailed notes you need in order to be able to hold your train of thought and deliver effectively. That's right. And I'll add a fourth thing, which I talked to so many people who don't do this and I'm surprised is I watched every video that I recorded for like six months. And it was so painful. It was so painful. I was like, why am I, A, why am I talking like that? Why am I saying um all the time? It was because I was nervous. Why am I looking away from the camera? Why am I, you know, I've trained myself now to literally look at a camera lens and talk to it like it's a person. And that is purely a forcing function. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you force yourself to do it, yeah. but I'm comfortable with it now. And so watching your game, you know, you play football, you run track, you watch your game tapes right? And that's how you get better. Oh, I stumbled on the third hurdle or whatever. This is game tape. I listen to every episode of every podcast I record and I, I don't watch every video anymore, but I think that's how you realize the cringeworthy moments and practice to get better. Yeah. I'm absolutely guilty of being somebody who doesn't watch their video. <laughs> and okay, I will. I'm going to tell you right now that I will start doing it. It's going to suck. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going gonna, gonna to cringe. It's so painful. When you watch them, you'll be your worst critic too. Yeah. Because I've watched, like, if you go back and watch your last three videos, you'll say, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And it, they're not terrible because I watched them. But there are areas to improve. I'll, I'll keep throwing them out. The last thing is something that someone told me right after Drip got acquired, Lead Pages did a ton of video work. They had a bunch of content, content marketing through video, audio, and, and writing. And I wasn't, I was not good on camera. And one thing that the producer kept telling me was there's a little bit of performance. Like don't be fake, but when you are acting normal on camera, you look way subdued and you look bored and tired. When you act kind of grand and it feels like I'm way overacting, you then look normal on camera. You know, it's like there's a bit of like exaggerate your voice, exaggerate your look, exact just a little bit, right? Some people do it. You know, there's Gary V, and there are people who do it to the point where it's like, okay, I kind of, you're kind of painful to listen to for me. Although that is actually what Gary, who Gary V is, I think. But like, if I were to act like that, it would, it would look ridiculous. Like that's not Rob. That's not, it's not authentic Rob. But I do know that if you and I were sitting here having a conversation, even though like I'm expecting this to be audio only, right? If the video makes it out, great. But if the if it's audio only, the moment that you hit record, unintentionally now, I know that like the timbre of my voice changed. I know that I elevated just a bit because I've been doing this for long enough that I know there has to be that element to make it interesting. You're shifting into this performance mode or you're shifting into video mode. Yep. And I, I struggled with that for a while because I was like, I don't want it to be fake. I don't want to be performing. I'm not an actor, but it's not. It's it's actually, it's, I still saying and doing everything that I would be, but it's just making it a little more entertaining or a little more engaging. Well, it's translating yourself to a small screen where you're two dimensional, you know, you just have less resources to communicate than you would in person. 
So you're optimizing what's available. I think when you think about how to really match your communication style to the medium that you're working with. Yes, indeed. Woo. So lots of video coming out from you this year. What else are you working on that we'll see from you in kind of a, a content perspective? Yeah. So we, with Tiny Seed, we are putting out written pieces, like longer form written pieces every month or so, which is fun. And we've only put one out. And so, and that one, it went fine. It wasn't amazing, but I'm excited to do that because it's, you know, it's our take on the entrepreneurial ecosystem around founder struggles or that kind of stuff. So there's written content there. I still, I just so enjoy podcasts and, and now starting to enjoy video. Video used to be a grind where it was like, I don't want to record a video, but now it's easier and I enjoy it more. But I effectively have three podcasts and we're talking about adding a fourth. There's Startups for the Rest of Us. There is Mike, the MicroConf podcast and there is Tiny Seed Tales, which comes out in like season blocks, right? I interview a founder for a year and then put out 10 episodes covering that, you know, the entire year. And we're talking about adding a, a fourth that I, I don't want to announce here, but it'll kind of cover a different, a different angle in the startup space. A different version. Yeah. So that's a lot of like, how are you even just organizing all of that? Yeah, we're hitting a tipping point where producer Xander and I each spend like a few hours a week each doing things. And then we have assistant producer Aaron who spends a few hours a week. So there, there's like five to 10 hours a week being dedicated to this. It helps that I am able to record an episode quickly. It doesn't take me two hours to record a podcast episode. I'll put it that way. You know what I mean? And so the real work is, okay, get it to the editor. Now the editor has to edit and embed the image, do the metadata, then upload it to Castos. And then I need someone to chop the video because we're doing videos now on YouTube and on social media and, you know, then get it published and all that. And so that's the part, all the, it's the project management or the production. It's like, I need a producer. Basically we have assistant producer, Aaron, who does a good job, but is he's part-time and kind of it's piecemeal. And so we manage it in Notion, right? There's these Notion cards and it shows on which date and there's a Trello view to show which stages. So that that part's easy enough. But yeah. we are at the point where I have started looking for a full-time 40-hour-a-week producer. Uh, I, I'm calling him a podcast and YouTube producer, but realistically, it's like audio and video production across social media, podcasts and all that. And I have a lead on one. Hopefully, my hope is that it works out, assuming budget and all that. Yeah. What's your hope with all of this? Like, what's the outcome you're saying? Yeah, it's a good question because anytime you put this much effort into something, you should be asking yourself that. Like people say, you should be on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram. And it's like, why? Like, what, what, am I hope, what do I hope to get out of that, right? You need to figure it out. There's a couple of things. For me personally, like as a human, the weeks I enjoy most are the weeks when I put something into the, the public sphere. When you've been creative, when we ship a podcast episode or a video or even a new, like we just started the Tiny Seed Syndicate, which is an investment syndicate. We did our first syndicate deal. And you know what? I didn't ANR vetted the companies and he wrote the email and I reviewed it. But when he sent that email, I got the dopamine rush of we just shipped something. And this is a, so not creative. I mean, it's literally a fundraising event for a company. But I read it and I, I thought to myself, we did that. Like we accomplished that. It was so cool, right? So for me personally, why am I doing it? Because I really like it and it actually makes me happy. And I would prefer to be doing this than there's all kinds of stuff. You know, what could I be doing at Tiny Seed Microconf? I could be raising funding. I could be, you know, I don't know, doing back office stuff, bookkeeping, you know, anything. But like that isn't as fun to me. It's like interacting with the founders is what I love and 
doing these things in public also for founders. So that's the personal side, but then there has to, there should be a professional goal that meets up with that, right? Or a business goal. Because if I'm just doing it as a hobby or whatever, it doesn't, doesn't make much sense. And the goal there is to, to expand our reach. Like it's to grow the audience because the mission of MicroConf Tiny Seed Startups for the rest of us is to you know, dramatically multiply, to increase the number of independent startups in the world, bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped startups, and to help them get where they want to go faster. And that's been the mission of the podcast since day one. That's been the mission of MicroConf. And now it's the mission of Tiny Seed. And so how can we do that? You know, we have all these offerings of education and mentorship and community and relationships, all things we've talked, you know, I've talked about. And this is just one more way to do that, not only to, hey, it educates, we could create education. I could go create courses and sell courses. Here's how to do marketing. Here's how to do that. But what I'm talking about with the podcast and with YouTube and that is it has that magic of like, it not only educates for free in essence, but it will also help us reach more people. It grows the audience. Because if we double the email list, double the social following or whatever, we get the benefit of both. Just more impact. Yeah, more impact. And that for me, I mean, I'm at the stage of my career where I am thinking about legacy. Like, what am I going to do? This is kind of what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Like, I don't see another act after this. I don't see starting another SaaS app. Like, this is it. It's podcast, microconf, tiny seed. You're nurturing what you've built. You're not going to build something new. That's right. And so, you know, what is there to do but to, you know, genuinely help impact more people, help more founders get there faster, right? And so that's the hope. That's pretty cool. If you think about folks who are maybe wanting to put out more content this year, maybe the New Year's bug has hit them and they're thinking, yep, sort of like Sherry, like me, like I'm going to do a video a week or they have, you know, goals for things that they'd like to put out into the world. Any advice that you might offer for folks who are feeling content ambitious? The big thing for me has always been consistency, the important thing. And if you can't be consistent with your writing, then don't, don't try to publish essays. Cause I did that for a while. Like I was a consistent blogger for years. And then I lost the time, lost the interest, lost the, what the focus. And I was frustrated for like a year or two. And that was when I started thinking, why well, should podcast? <laughs> because then I don't need, cause I would take six hours to write a post, you know, like really in depth and the lack of consistency, I think hurt me. And so pick something you can be consistent with. And it doesn't need to be a, it doesn't need to be at the level of all the folks that you listen to or that you read, it just needs to be good enough. And B, I think being able to hammer out a 15 to 20 minute podcast, for example, it's something that you could do every week. Even if it's hard for you, even if you're new at it, like blocking that time off on the calendar where every week you record this, whether it's with you or a co-host and that consistency, I think not only does that drive audience engagement because they know that the show comes out every week at this point or that the social media video comes out every week at this point, but it makes you better. You become better because you do it every week. If you miss a week, then you miss the next week. And then you're like, well, there's always more important things than putting out content. There always is. I know I put out a lot of content and I also have a lot of important things. And if I don't carve out the time, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I pulled you onto Startups for the Rest of Us today because I have no episode for four days from, there's one going live four days from now, no episode. It's a Friday. I kind of wanted to chill. But I was, instead, I was like, there is no way an episode is not coming out. And so, you know, I pulled you into it. So I think that's a big thing. But you have an amazing, like a whole content calendar now because you want to put more stuff out. So what would your advice be to folks? Well, I do think consistency is important, obviously. 
But I think I have sometimes been overwhelmed by your model. So you have shipped a podcast every week for... 12 years or something. Yeah, 12 years. 12 years. And while that is absolutely doable, it totally is doable. It requires the discipline and the dedication and the carving out the time and and just the, the ship, the getting it done. I do think that there are other models one that feels probably more accessible to me, which is the which is just a very clear, diligent plan. So it's consistency, but consistency within parameters that maybe don't have to be every week. It's okay to shift to every other week. So it's been important for me to feel flexible because when I set a goal of I'm going to do this every week, no matter what, and then I don't make it, the sort of failure spiral of it's easier to not make it than the next week and the next week and the next week. So Making a plan with some breaks built in. Maybe you batch your content in seasons. Maybe you batch your content in a different way. Maybe you do it every other week. I mean, so for me, it's making a plan that really fits me and the things that are happening around me or the other things that I've committed to. I think that, you know, that's the strategy that I'm working with this year. As I get ready for a book launch in July, there's, I'm kind of counting backwards in terms of what content I need, when and how much and those kinds of things. But it's a strategic plan. It's a great way to do it. You work backwards from a date and then forwards from that date. And I think my little simple mind says... I don't, and I also, I don't love planning. Like I don't love sitting in front of a spreadsheet and being like, what am I going to do for 12 months? That would drive me nuts. So I just say, I'm going to put something out every week because it's simple. And it's like my little pea brain is like, and I know I have to do this versus you are like, well, I don't need to do it every week. But if I have it Tuesday, Thursday, I book it on the calendar, you do it. That's a more, to me, it is a more complicated way, not in a bad thing because it's actually a better fit. It's better for me. It's a feasible way for me. Yep. It's more complicated to me and less complicated for you, I'm sure. You know, that's what it is, so. Yeah, cool. Well, I am excited to see all of this video and content that's going to come out from you and your team. You don't see this content. You have, you have not listened to a single episode of Start With The Rest of Us. That is not true. I have listened to all the ones that I've been on. There you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think you have. Um, no, that is not true. I have listened to some of them. Also, now you're doing the little videos on Instagram and that's about my attention span. So. <laughs> the Startup Spot yeah. one. Yeah. Startup Spot on Instagram if you want to follow that account. And you look so cute with your camera set up and your whole situation. So, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me on today. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.